Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Mark chapter number 10 is where we'll begin tonight, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter number 16. So if you want to find those, I'll give you a second to find them. I do believe it's important you follow along in your Bible. Uh, if you don't have a King James Bible, you're not you're going to be confused because that's all we've got and that's all we need. So uh, we're going to read from Mark chapter number ten tonight is where we'll begin. And um, let me find the Mark chapter number ten. We'll begin at verse seventeen, and then we'll go to Acts chapter number sixteen. And read a few verses toward the end of that chapter. Appreciate the Lord today. It's been a a, a day of uh, a week, really, of where I've wrestled with God. It seems like uh, you know the Bible said that Jesus said that there'd be a day when His Spirit didn't no longer would strive with man. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm glad it's still still striving with us. Still working on us. It still wrestles with us, right, to get us to His will. Um, amen. Bless the Lord. So, Mark chapter number 10, verse number 17. And when He was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to Him and asked Him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, and take up the cross, and follow me. He was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but with God. For with God all things are possible. Turn with us to Acts chapter 16. I want to begin reading about uh, verse 25. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. 
Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the name on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Father, thank you for your word. We pray for your help. We recognize our inability to do anything, but this is your message. And so we pray, speak to our hearts as you've spoken already. And may it speak to the hearts of others. May all of us be drawn, Father, into the truth of this word. And may, Lord, it it move in us to change us now. We pray for your Holy Spirit and the unction of your power. For we ask it earnestly praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I know my heart tonight, what I want to share with your heart is a simple comparison between two men, the jailer and the ruler. I thought uh, as God was opening this uh, to me today, I kept thinking about what a title would be, and, and I kept thinking about who then can be saved. That was the question the disciples had asked, having heard that how how adamant Jesus was about how difficult it is for a rich person, a person that has their trust in possessions to go to heaven. And their response was, who then can be saved? And I, I thought so much about that, but it seemed the Holy Spirit just kept moving me this direction, the ruler and the jailer, the ruler and the jailer. I, uh, I want tonight to share with us the similarities but also the differences between these two men. Um, what we know about both of these men ultimately is that uh, they had come to Christ to be saved. They come to Christ to be saved. And, and that, that's unique when we begin to think about who they were and, and uh, how they were alike and how they were different. And as we think about that tonight, I want you to Search your own heart, and if you're here tonight and you're not certain of your own salvation, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will move in you and open up your own heart. So as we think about them tonight, I want to share with you some thoughts about the ruler and the jailer. Similarities will be the first place we start, similarities between the two. Number one, they were both men of authority. The Bible said that one was a ruler. It calls him in Matthew and Luke a certain ruler, and here we, the Bible tells us that he was a ruler and he had come to Jesus. Both were men of authority. The other was a jailer, a Gentile jailer, and certainly we know that the jailer had authority of, over all of the prisoners. We don't know what else he might have had authority over, but we do know this, he had authority over those prisoners that were in that jail that night. So he was a man of authority. The ruler is a man of authority as well. Rulers often being responsible for many things. But may I say tonight that regardless of your position in this world, whether you have authority or don't have authority, you can't be saved based on what you do. You can't be saved just because you're a person of authority or a person of status that'll not get you to Christ. It'll not make any headway when it comes to being born 
born again, you're going to have to be saved just like everybody else. A position of authority can't get you there. But both of these men held a position of authority. Not only were they alike there, but they also had come to Jesus in a hurry. We find there in the book of Mark where the Bible said that he was running to Jesus. Now, you don't see that often. We know that when he passed the woman who had the issue of blood, that she had pressed through the crowd just enough to touch him. But here we find that this man, this ruler, and it might even been out of character for the man, but for whatever reason, he found it important to run to Jesus. Now, I've given that advice many times, and I'll still give it. If you've got a problem, run to Jesus. If you've got a need, run to Jesus. But may I say to you, when you run to Jesus, you need to know this. You need to have the right heart. It needs to be broken and contract before God because here was a man that ran to Jesus and he didn't get what he needed. This man was running. He ran to Jesus. The same was the jailer. The Bible said, having realized, friend, that uh, they had not escaped, he called for a life and the Bible said that he sprang in. Both of these men had knelt before him as well. The Bible said that the young ruler or the certain ruler, the Bible said he ran to Jesus and he fell down there at his feet. He fell down at the feet of the Lord. Now, many of us would say today, well, if we can just get them to the feet of Jesus, they'll be saved. Let me tell you something. It takes more than just running. And it takes more than just falling down at the feet of Jesus, as we know. Uh, The Bible said there uh, the same thing for the jailer, the old Philippian jailer. The Bible said he sprang in and he fell down before Paul and Silas. Now, he was seeking something. Both of them were. They were seeking something. And they both had a question. What the ruler said to uh, the Lord was, is he said, what good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? And what the Philippian jailer said is, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now that question, friend, is one that we all want a lost person to say. We'd like to hear every lost person say, what must I do to be saved? But may I say today, even though you might be a person of authority, even though, friend, you might run to Christ, even though you may fall down at his feet, and even though you may ask him to be saved, that doesn't guarantee that you'll be born again. You say, are you saying uh, that there's something else to it? Yeah, I'm going to tell you tonight that without the right heart, you can't be born again. Uh, without your heart, be right or be contrite and broken before God. Uh, the condition be right. You can't be born into the family of God. It ain't a give it or take. It's not an afterthought to be saved today. It's got to be the very desire of your heart to be born again. Ah, we live in a day where it's an easy believism. We live in a time where our culture has conditioned everybody's mind to all you've got to do is to repeat after me. All you've got to do is sign a card. All you've got to do is to be willing to be baptized and join a church and somehow or another that equals eternal salvation. But these two men, our friend, one found out what it took and the other found out what it took and didn't take it. 
I'm glad that I know today that I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I'll tell you this as well. I'm glad that I found him when I was young and I didn't wait until I was an old man. I'm glad that I didn't wait until I had uh, money in my pocket or money in the bank or some kind of earthly possessions down here. Because I'll tell you right now, if you love anything more than Jesus, you'll never get saved today. You can be just like the Philippian jailer. You can be just like your neighbor. But I'll tell you right now, just going through the motions won't get you saved. The ruler and the jailer, they were alike. In so many ways, as we read about them from the two texts that we read tonight, they were similar in a great deal of ways. And I'll tell you the most important way they were similar was that they both asked how to be saved. They both wanted to know, what do I need to do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What shall I do? What good things shall I do to inherit eternal life? They were similar certainly in those ways, but let's look at the differences between the two because what we do know is that one got saved and one didn't. One missed out and the other one found eternal life that day. But let's look here quickly at the differences. Number one, their nationalities were different. You say, does that matter? Not to God. It doesn't matter at all to God. But I wanted to expressly point it out that it doesn't make any difference if your skin is white or black or yellow or red. doesn't make any difference to God. Amen. One was a Jew, and I'll tell you uh, that he had an advantage for sure. He had heard of God. He had heard in the Old Testament prophecies about a Savior that was to come. He had heard of a Messiah that would be born. He had heard that God would rescue his people Israel. And here we find that this ruler, he was a Jew. And as he came to him, he understood what the commandments were. He understood what it was that was expected of the people of God. And when he came, friend, he came with an advantage. His nationality had given him an advantage. But may I say tonight, he didn't leave with the gift. He left without it. It doesn't make any difference. Listen to me tonight. You might, uh, a friend, have been raised in church from the time you was born into this world. You may have heard every kind of sermon that could ever be preached. You may have been in Sunday school class all of your life you may have sit in Bible studies you may have seen a hundred baptisms and may have been baptized yourself but just because you was raised up in the church don't mean that you'll die in the church it don't mean you're saved today you must be born again to be saved you see their nationalities were different the old jailer he was a Gentile a Philippian Gentile He didn't have any idea what them commandments were. I'll tell you now, I'll be the first one to say that I felt it was a great advantage that somebody was dragging me to church every time the doors were open. The time I was about eight years old, I got saved when I was nine years old. Somebody was taking me to church, and my parents were. They were taking me to church, and I'll tell you right now, that's how I got saved. It's because somebody cared enough to make sure that I was in the house of God. But I'll tell you right now, just being in the house of God will not assure that you're born again. 
your church attendance is not what saves you. It's not what's going to keep you. Friend, your nationality, as they found out, didn't really help them. This man knew the commandments. The Lord told him, he said, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not kill, all of these other things. And the man said, all these things have I kept since my youth. See, he was a good church boy. He'd been raised in the church, but he still died without God. We need to recognize the differences. This old boy in Philippi, uh, the Bible said that jailer, he was a Gentile. I bet he didn't know. He couldn't tell you one of the commandments of God. He didn't know they were commandments of God. He had never thought to keep the commandments of God, but he got born again one night because he believed in Jesus Christ. I'd advise if you've got an opportunity to go to the house of God, you need to go. Amen. That's where you'll hear the word of God, I hope. But did you know today that they fill churches all across this country and they preach to them watered-down sermonettes that never challenges the sin in their lives and addresses the real problem and is that, that's their eternal security. They never address the real problem with the heart of mankind and they simply bring you to a place that you feel good and you they tickle your ears. Listen, they fill churches up like that today. They fill churches up like that with the music and all of the praise and worship things that go on. Listen, I'm all for worshiping God but if it takes turning the lights out and turning your cell phone on and waving it around, I think you missed something somewhere. I believe we ought to just look to glory and give the old rugged cross a thumbs up. We ought to be glad, brother, in our hearts to remember that it took bloodshed to save my wretched hide. It took a Savior dying for me, bruised for my iniquities. It took him and him raising from the dead. Now that's something to worship today. We don't need to get caught up in this world. You may think today that just because I go to church, because I'm a part of a good good youth group, because I say a prayer here and there, that somehow or another that gets guarantees me this man failed to know Jesus at the end of the day he didn't know him he missed out these two fellows were different in that regard one knew all about God died lost the other one didn't know nothing about him and got saved Amen. amen I love the irony of that I love the contrast of that now I have every intention, and I hope you do too, amen, do everything I can to get somebody to come to the house of God. Because I do believe this is a good place as you'll get saved, that you'll ever find on earth. Amen. You say, how do you know that? Well, you can take a poll. It don't matter whether you're in this church or another church or next church. You can take a poll and say, how many got saved outside the church? And you'll see a hand or two come up. Amen. God can save anywhere. I like that good news. Amen. He don't care where you're at. But if you say, how many of you got saved in church? You see a bunch of people raise their hand. Best I can tell, this is the best place there is to get born again. So I'm going to tell you right now, you ought to go to church. You ought to be in the house of God. But don't put your ideas and your salvation in going to church. That won't save you. This man's nationality wasn't going to get him in. And the Lord knew it. He challenged his faith. And now his testimony was he kept the commandments of God. But I can tell you right now, the commandments won't get you into heaven. Truth is, there's none good, no, not one. 
And this man hadn't been good. He likely had plenty of sin that needed to be dealt with. Now, in his mind, he was right. And yet, any time a person comes to God and they're right, they didn't really come to get saved. Amen. They come to get some kind of assurance that they were on the right track with their works. But I can tell you right now, I hope we don't ever pat you on the back for that business. Because if it's by your works, you're going to hell. There ain't no way around it. If it ain't through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of a Calvary's cross and an empty tomb, you're not going to get to heaven. You can't get there. I don't care if you've been to church a thousand times. You can't get there until you're born again. I found a verse of scripture. I'm going to use it twice tonight from Ephesians chapter number two. I want to read it. But I thought about this. Here we have, we, here we have a Jew, one that knew the law of God. He knew about God. He knew there would be a Messiah that was coming. He understood that God was in control and the creator of everything. He understood that there was eternal life. He understood that there was a resurrection. He understood way more than that Philippian jailer understood. That that Philippian jailer, he didn't have no idea what was going on. Amen. All he knew was that the jail was a shaking and the doors were a flying open and the bars and the stocks were coming off every, every prisoner in there. All he knew was his life wasn't as good as the sword he had in his hand because all them prisoners probably just walked out on him. You got one that was a Gentile. You got one that was a Jew. But oh, I'm glad that what Jesus came to do, you'll find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14, he said, For he is our peace who had made both one. Both who? Gentile and Jew. Do you know God don't care whether you're Jew or Gentile? No, he settled that on the cross when he said, whosoever will. Oh, I'm glad for him that he doesn't, he doesn't look to whether or not you're of the church or not of the church, whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, whether you're an Arab or a free. It don't make any difference to God. What the Bible said was, for he is our peace who hath made both one, both nationalities. He said he's made them one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Their nationalities weren't the issue. Now they were of separate nationalities, but one didn't give the other friend the right to say that I'm saved. What they found out was is that being born again wasn't based on that. As a matter of fact, as I just read to you, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he's made all nationalities one. Therefore, he might be able to present unto God that what were twain, he can present unto them one in his body through his sacrifice for mankind. No, they did have differences as can concerned their nationalities but their but the nationality didn't keep the one from being saved and it didn't help the other one get saved the the next difference we see was the commandments and I've already spoke to that somewhat so I'll go past it quickly here but I do want to say this the one man knew all about the law 
The one man had a, had a good understanding of what the Old Testament said. And yet when it come right down to it, he missed heaven. The other man had no idea about the commandments. And yet he found it. I just love that, don't you? Now, I'll tell you right now, the best way to find God is to know about it. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, said how they believe except somebody... Somebody preach to them. And how can they preach except they be sent? Listen, the word of God's got to come. You've got to hear it. At some point, you've got to recognize that you're lost and you need to be saved. But you can't count on the commandments to save you. You can't count on your knowledge of what's in the Bible. You know people, I do too. You ask them about whether or not they've been born again, oh, they know all about the Bible. They can tell you about this and tell you about that and they'll stand there and tell you about what's going to happen when the Lord comes again and about the tribulation and everything else and they've got a head knowledge and they can just talk all day long about what the Bible says about this or the Bible says about that. Let me tell you, I want to know whether or not you've been saved. I want to know if you're going to go to heaven. There's plenty of Bible scholars in hell tonight. There's plenty of preachers in hell tonight because they didn't get born again. Just having a knowledge of God won't save you. Now, there was a difference between these two men concerning their knowledge about God. But the good news is, is you can walk into this church and have this much knowledge about God and hear a gospel message, get convicted of your sin, and get born again the same day. I don't know about you, that's good news. That's hope for a dying world. That's light in a dark place. That's what this world needs to know. Amen. You don't have to work it out and figure it out to get to God. You just got to pour it out and let God change you today. They had some differences. Another difference, and this one's certainly worth noting, was their riches. The Bible said that the ruler had great possessions. Now, when we think about great possessions, it was obviously something that was of an estate type of deal. Probably a large amount of properties, large houses or buildings, maybe owned businesses, but he had income that provided him great possessions. And yet we find that it was those great possessions that were the very things that kept him from finding Christ. Those great possessions. You compare him to the Philippian jailer. Now, you could probably make the argument that Philippian jailer was richer than some. No doubt. He was probably a man of authority and made a little more money than the next guy down the pole. But he didn't live like this other cat. He wasn't a rich ruler who had great possessions. No, this was just a man doing his job. This was a man that was just a Philippian jailer. I guarantee you he wasn't making a great deal of money. But I'll tell you right now, if it comes right down to it, I'd rather be broke and find Jesus than I would to have all the money in the world and miss him. Let me tell you how dangerous this is. Jesus would speak to it twice in Mark chapter number 10. He said how hard it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. And I began to think about that. May I say to you tonight that they ain't a person in this room, amen, that doesn't have a natural bent in their flesh to want to hold on to the things of this world. Every man's selfish. Every man is prideful. Every person given to their own will will grab everything that they 
can get and they'll hoard everything they can have and if you ain't careful suddenly everything that you've got becomes what's more important to you I'm so glad that I didn't have to get saved amen when I was an old man I'll tell you right now it tickles me to death to think about it when he came to me I didn't have a nickel in my pocket (laughs) there was nothing to worry me amen if he said give all you got sell everything you have I didn't have but a hot wheel amen it's better you see let's try to get them saved when they're little let's try to get them saved when they're youngins that's when it's easier for them to be saved no you wait till a man's 40 or 50 years old got a little money in the bank and things in the garage and a big house and all these and he'll reject God that's the way it's going on every day right now most of the people go to hell because they ain't willing to give up and let God own it all. Oh, but you get these little ones, they ain't got nothing. Huh? Jesus said, Jesus asked them, say, give it all to me. Yeah, ain't no problem. Yeah, you can have it all. I'll tell you right now, the best thing we can do is try to help these little ones know who Christ is and pray that God will speak to them while they're young and their hearts are tender and their pockets are empty. You say pockets, I'm telling you right now, Jesus warned them. He told them twice. He said riches will keep men out of heaven. Riches become what a man's heart is all about. If you was to come to a man, amen, today, let's just use uh, Brother Greg as an example. Let's say you're a millionaire and you're lost and the Lord come to you and said I'll save you if you'll sell everything you have everything if you'll sell everything you have Greg and give it to the poor distribute to them I'll save you eternally I'll give you something more than what your millions are worth I'll help you eternally I'll help you here and I'll help you over yonder if you'll just sell all you got amen there's a lot of people walk away from Christ today because they can't give it up Here's what Jesus said about it. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. Michael. <laughs> yeah. So if it's riches, amen, if it's riches that are the most important thing in your life, I'll tell you right now, you'll miss heaven. You see, the difference between the difference between the ruler and the jailer, the ruler had great possessions and he trusted in them. The jailer didn't have anything worth trusting in, and he knew it. You say, are you yeah? The Bible said in the 16th chapter of Acts, we read part of it. The Bible said when the earthquake happened and the doors flew open and the stocks fell off of them and he looked around in the dark and assumed that everybody had gone, he drew his sword and he was fixing to take his own life. Tell me what he had. He didn't even have a life worth living. I tell you right now, that's the kind of people that will get saved. 
Them people that find themselves at the end of their rope, they find themselves in that hog pen and they're sick and tired of eating like that and living like that and about starved to death in this world and they're about ready to take their own life. That's the kind of person that can get saved today. If you've got a house full of bread and all the things that you want and need, you'll trust in that and die without God. That's what's happening every day. That's what's happening. As a matter of fact, that's what causes apostasy. That's what brings apostasy is prosperity. When everybody's got bread and everybody's got extra and everybody's comfortable, they don't want you messing with that. And they have put all of their trust in their bread and their wealth and their stuff and they have rejected God. Some of them even claim to be Christians. They want a little dab of God but they holding on to the world and they ain't loosened from it. Amen. They're not separate from this world. They're not holy. They're not living it and they're holding on to the world while claiming to be going to heaven. Let me tell you something. The Bible said the, the, the Lord loved him. You heard that, right? I read that. It said the Lord loved this man. He loved him. And it grieved him to see what was happening in this man's heart. But you see, the Lord also knew the very thing that would keep him from heaven is the one thing that he had to let go of. And that's why people don't get saved today. Because they think they can't give it up. They can't turn it loose. They won't let it go for him. He told that man, he said, yet one thing thou likest. He said, there's one thing you ain't done. He said, there's one thing that I know about you that you may not even know about you, and that is you trust in your possessions more than you do God. You've come to ask me how to be saved, and I'm going to tell you, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, and then follow me. And I promise you, it'll be worth your while. And he bowed his head, sorrowful, and he walked away. He had the nationality. He had all the head knowledge man could have about God, the commandments, how to live holy. He had everything he had everything he needed. But unfortunately, he had riches. Unfortunately, he had something that was more important to him than Christ. You say, preacher, are you saying to me? That if you come to Christ, he will not save you if you have any other God before him. That is exactly what I'm saying. Not one exception. Oh, but there was rich people went to heaven. Yes. And Jesus explained how that happens. Jesus said with men, yeah, going, a camel going through the eye of a needle with a man is impossible. He said, but oh, God can do it. Yeah. You believe God saves lost people that are rich? Sure does. But I guarantee you them rich people had to give it up. 
He may not have required that they sell it all. He may not have required, but he had to ask them. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit searched their heart and said, do you trust in your riches more than me? And if they said you only, you can have the rest. I don't care how much I got. You can have it all. I just want Jesus. That's the kind of person who can't get saved. He had all that. He had all, he had all the knowledge. had everything he needed to get to Christ. But there was something in his way. He, he trusted in his riches. And then we got that poor old Philippian jailer. That old boy didn't even have a life worth living. I mean, he was fixing to commit suicide. He was done. I'm dead anyhow. If these men walked out, I'm dead anyhow. Might as well kill myself. Ain't you glad about time you was at the end of your rope? Somebody said, hey, 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 don't do that. We're all here. Ain't you glad the Holy Spirit reached in that time of your life and sees your depravity and sees the end of your, and sees where you're at and says, hey, that's the kind of soul I want right there. I want that one that don't love nothing but what's going to save him. And the Bible said, he said, don't do yourself any harm. He said, we're all here. That's all he said. He said, we're all here. He didn't start preaching to him. No, he didn't ask him if he had his King James Bible with him. No, he just said, hey, we're all here. Don't do that. That's all it took. That's all it took. He called for a light. I tell you right now, the only thing he needed was a little light. <laughs> that rang a bell for anybody but me. All he needed in his dark condition was a little light. All he needed to get to the place where he knew he could find something better than what he had was a little bit of light, and he called for a light. Somebody grabbed a candle. Somebody grabbed a little burning stick off the wall, Summers, and come running in there, led him into where Paul and Silas were in that dark jail cell. And the Bible said he sprang in there. Amen. He was wanting something they had. Evidently, he'd been listening to some of that praying, some of that singing that was going on inside of that jail cell. And it didn't mean anything to him until the earth began to quake under him. And he sprang in. And the Bible said he fell before Paul and Silas. And he just had one question. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> do you know that old Paul said he didn't have to say, he didn't have to say to the boy, you need to sell everything you got and give it to the poor. No, he never even mentioned that. You know why? Because he knew that wasn't his problem. That wasn't the man's issue. The man didn't have a bunch of things standing in his way of God. No, the only thing that stood in his way was a little lie. He just needed a little lie. And he was able to then ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, why? He said, believe. He said, believe in Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. If they believe, they'll get saved too. What do I need to do to be saved? <laughs> he, didn't have, 
He didn't have the upbringing in the church. He didn't have the word of God planted in his heart from a child. He didn't have the riches to stand in his way. But what he did have, the other man had, and that was an opportunity at the feet of Christ. He run to him just like the ruler. He bowed down before him just like the ruler. And yet there was a difference between the two men's hearts. One trusted in his riches and the other was trusting in Christ. And the Bible said that the old Philippian jailer, he got saved right there. And right then he got born again. The Bible said immediately (laughs) he got up from there and he grabbed old Paul and Silas. He said, come on. I don't believe he even locked anything up. He just let them out. He said, we're going to the house. I got a house full of heathens that need to know what I just found. And the Bible said he took old Paul and Silas there. He cleaned them up, washed them up, dressed them up. And the Bible said they preached to his family. And his family believed. His family believed. The ruler and the jailer. Let me close with this. The one got saved and the other one didn't. The jailer got saved because he found something he couldn't live without. And the ruler missed it because he already had something he couldn't live without. You want to know why the church ain't full tonight? Because most people have already got something they can't live without. It's not Jesus. If they ever get him, you'll probably find them hanging around this crowd here. Or that crowd down there in that church. Or that crowd down there in that church. You'll find them hanging out with the church crowd, I guarantee it. You'll find them doing the things of God. You'll find them reading their Bible, praying, loving on people, loving on one another. You say, how come? Because they found the man they couldn't live without. That's what the jailer found. But what the ruler found was that he already had what he couldn't live without. And as best I know, the one went to hell and the other went to heaven. The one that went to hell had all the advantages. He had all the knowledge. He had everything going his way. He had everything a man could possibly hope for to get born again. And he went to hell. Because he already had something he couldn't live without. You say, is the gospel really that exclusive as pertains to salvation? Let me read it. Matthew chapter number 16, verse 24 through 26. I'm going to read it. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, listen to me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever, listen now, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Listen to what he said. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give 
in exchange for his soul. There's no question. Vicky, come get a song if you would. There's no question about what Jesus was saying. He was saying, listen, a man that ain't willing to lose it all for me won't get anything from me. In Mark chapter number 10, the very scripture I stopped at, the very scripture I stopped at, Peter would start speaking very next. Peter would say, and Lord, we have left it all. <laughs> Peter's bad about that. He, he said, and, and we have left it all. They wouldn't argue in the fact that Jesus was right, that the man trusted in his riches and not in Christ. They got that. They got that. They understood the simple fact that if you want to go to heaven, if you want eternal salvation, it will cost all of you. You got to die. But he said, but I'll raise you again. But you got to die. You have to be changed. And if you ain't willing, if you ain't willing, you're not going to get any of it. Peter said, but Lord, we've, we've left all for you. He said, hey. He said, you've not lost anything that I won't manifold, abundantly bless you more in this life and in the life to come. What was he saying? He was saying, hush up. And I'll guarantee you right now, everything I lost when I got saved, he has blessed me 10,000 times over here. And that, ain't got, that don't even hold a candle to what's fixing to happen. When I get over yonder. We have left all for Christ. You ain't done anything for Christ. That he ain't blessed you multiplied over and over. For what little dab you've done. No. The difference between the ruler and the jailer. Was one couldn't live without him. And the other one already had what he couldn't live without. You want to be saved? Jesus said you'll have to lose your life. You'll have to take up my cross and you'll have to follow me. If you want to be saved, that's exactly what it'll take. I'm so glad I was nine years old when he spoke to me. That was the easiest decision I ever made in my life. But if you wait till you're 50 years old or you're 60 years old, then it'll be the hardest decision because he will require no less of you then than what he did of me then. All. It's all or nothing with Jesus. It's all or nothing. These people that think they got it, they got it both ways, they're straddling the fence, they're deceived and on their way to hell. if you ever get born again you'll come on over the fence to the other side right you'll line up with the other crowd you won't play both sides you're not interested anymore you're dead to those things you're new in Christ Jesus as we sing he said this for what would it profit a man if he'd gained the whole world 
right? I mean, if the, if the offer of salvation came to the richest man in the world, what Jesus is saying, point blank saying, he says, so what profit do you think having the whole world if your soul goes to hell? What profit is there? There's a rich man went to hell. We heard about him, right? I'm not going to preach it. But, he, but there's a rich man went to hell, and we found out that he would have given all he had for one, one drop. He knew it was too late to get saved. That hope wasn't even there. That wasn't even in his mind. See, in hell, there ain't no hope. But he thought maybe just a drop. Give every, every penny he had for just one drop, which would have lasted less than a second in hell's flames. He would have given every bit of it to have that. And you say, I can't have Jesus if I got to give up all my stuff. By the way, your stuff won't go with you. Well, you get the message, I hope. You get the message. The difference between the ruler and the jailer. There were similarities, but there are also differences. But you better know him like the jailer knew him. You better know him like the man that didn't have anything to lose. Like the one that was willing to give it all that night as he trusted Christ as his Savior. Stand as we sing. If you're here and need the Lord, the altar's open. Would you come?